Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice. Um, I am a Greek from the island of Lesbos. And uh, that's my first intro into thinking, speaking, and um, writing about sex. Um, because I was born a lesbian, you know, but I was like zero, one, two <laughs> years old. And yet identified as one by, by reason of, you know, where I was born, toponym. So very early on, I realized the power of words that are sex-related, even if it's accidentally sex-related, to create all of these emotional responses in us and you know, powerful identity, um, including the usual right shame, fear of judgment, and all of that. So uh, this project started uh, in part as a celebration of, of Me Too, which for the first time, like in written history, has given women the right to verbal consent uh, unequivocally. And um, with that came kind of like my drive, desire to just kind of urge us all to take it a step further and keep talking about what happens after we give consent. Um, so the idea is that we can redefine our consciousness, at least our sexual consciousness, through you know articulation um, or a new articulation of what we feel, do, desire sexually. Um, and in part, the the podcast wor- works as kind of like an, an example. So it's informative, it's fun, uh, sometimes it's wild. But most of all, it's a way for people to like hear things said, uh, you know, freely, as freely as possible and honestly, and kind of like through that, practice it for themselves. Because um, the more you hear it, the more comfortable you feel, and the more you understand that, you know, it doesn't, like, say, make the sex too real. But, in fact, it, you know, it's just words, and they make the sex more comfortable, right? But that's, like, a major transition for us to make, you know, because for most of us, even now in the 21st century, it's, like, easier to have sex than talk about it. <laughs> So anyway, um, today's episode is dedicated to a show coming up here in Miami Beach at WIM, which is the World Erotic Art Museum um, down in on Washington in Miami Beach. And the show is called Sex Magic Masquerade. Um, it will be held... Um, you want to tell us? Because I'm taking a while to see when. Yeah, sure. So it'll be on October 18th mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. Yeah, 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Yeah, I found right. it at 12.05 Washington Ave. <laughs> at, again, the World Erotic um, Art Museum. And uh, so the, the organizer just spoke to us is Alessandra. Alessandra Calderin, um, who is also known by her Insta handle, Bone Seed, is an intuition cultivator, energy mistress, word seamstress, holistic educator, <laughs> yogi, I'm adding, uh, sex magic uh, impresaria, <laughs> impresario, and personality archaeologist, which I don't know what it means, but she'll tell us. Sure. Okay. Um, so like you, I have recently especially been really interested in the power of words and choosing mm-hmm. words that really, uh, instead of just being like, I teach yoga and I do coaching, like what does that really mean? And so that's what all of those phrases mean. Like I help folks dig into like mm-hmm. past the recesses of their personality. I help folks cultivate an intuitive practice, um, mm-hmm. use the correct words that actually identify the internal world with the external world mm-hmm. and then work with that on a level that is earthly. That is with the body, Holistic, which right. moves into the sexual realm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, we can discuss it when I, we open the conversation to everyone, but You know, a lot of my guests mentioned that they are a little um, overwhelmed by all the new vocabulary. They think they call it new. You know, the way that we have of verbalizing sexual practices or in general consciousness, which seems to like evolve all the time and they feel like they haven't caught up and before they even learn something, it's become something else, right? Um, What do you think about that? Do you have a... Take. <laughs> yeah, well, I 
I can obviously see both sides and I can see how coming from, especially if you're a little older, coming from a society where we don't have all of these words to work with, it can seem a little overwhelming. I feel like I see the younger generation really like, oh yeah, it's easy. It's just this thing. Yeah. Naming things and renaming them. Yeah. And I think because we're so connected uh, via social media, globally, We just have been evolving language a lot quicker. And it doesn't just have to do with sexuality. We just have more of a dialogue around it now. So it's very noticeable. But I think it's around everything. Even slang terms, they just like evolve and move. Right. It's similar to slang, but Mm -hmm. it's not. It's kind of, you know, more official or we're hoping to make it more official. Yeah. So your show is focusing on the topic of uh, masculinity and what is masculinity? And uh, uh, I, your guest, my, our guests today are going to perform at the show, right? And we have uh, Justin Godlieb, welcome, who is a Tantra love coach, Tantra practitioner, and educator, right? You want to tell us a couple of words more about that, sure. about what you do? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a tantric practitioner, so I do private sessions with people, um, supporting them and really creating freedom in their bodies, um, in their minds, in their spirits. So it is a holistic approach to healing and also expanding on what's possible, expanding what's possible with love, with intimacy, and certainly with your sexual creative energy. A lot of people are lost in the idea that their sexual energy is just for sex or procreation. But this is the most powerful energy is it does create another human being. So we can manifest other things in our life with it. Right. So I coach people on that. And I also do um, private sessions where we work on energy work and coaching and body work and meditation and breathing. All different ways that we can help move energy, uh, support and healing and expanding our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Um and where does one, where do you start with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because my, I, I, for the majority of my life, I was, um, kind of like most typical guys. I was, a, I was at a Big Ten university. I went to, I was in a fraternity. Um, I moved to Manhattan and went into finance and was just kind of buried in the corporate world. And I started to just feel like there was more for me. There was something else. And I was always very drawn to sexuality, but I was taught like most men, a, about sexuality through pornography, through the sensual, sensual, sensationalized media and things like that. So I didn't really know what to do with it, but I was always interested in, in the conscious side of it and what was available, um, in another realm. And, uh, one day I just, I just had it. I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to leave my corporate job. I'm going to go travel the world and I'm going to study Tantra. Um, so I went to various different trainings and workshops and, and festivals. And just okay, this. there is no way that was like one day. This was not one day. This was over a few right. years. And something happened, like something, yeah. right? Uh, I, I actually, it's funny. I found my consciousness in, in Miami. Um, mm. That was my conscious awakening. Um, I did a training called the Gratitude Trainings, which really just opened my mind to new possibilities of what's available for me. And that was my conscious awakening. And with that, everything opened up. I started doing breath work. And in breath work, I got really clear on my purpose. And this is what I teach a lot of people, especially when I was talking about masculinity. What is your purpose? What is your truth within you? Mm-hmm. Most people aren't listening to their truth. They're mm-hmm. not finding that passion. And they're going about their daily routine. And they're working in some job where maybe it's just for money. Or maybe it's like, all right, well, it's okay. But that's not the kind of life that I'm coaching people on, the okay life. I'm coaching them on how do you create an exceptional life? Mm. and for the masculine energy that comes with a purpose and that comes with nowadays more than a purpose of I need to make money to survive or I need to make money to survive for my family it's bigger than that it's how am I going to contribute to this world how am I going to leave my mark right and how am I going to redeem my fucking gender (laughs) (laughs) so like I'm not part of the patriarchy right so we can all together kind of like change things around you yeah. mentioned me too, and what yeah. I strive to do is help men deal with that. Like, well, well, okay, we get it. We don't want to be a part of that abuse. Right. We don't want to be a part of that. But now, how do we treat get women? laid? Well, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah. Put in those right. terms, absolutely. Yeah. How do yeah. we still get laid and not hurt someone? How do we <laughs> right. talk and not to get someone, like not sued them? or what? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm helping men be conscious in their navigate and navigate <laughs> this very very complex world. Like, there's no. So there's no other way to say it. It's very complex, yeah. especially for a man in yeah. this world. And most of the men yeah. that I work with are coming to me and they're saying, help me. And yeah. most of the women that I'm working with are saying, 
please teach men what you're doing here. We need men to know this. This, right. this kind of well, they should raise them. their sons, right? Well, that's what I say to them, too, yeah. that you yeah. need to teach them. You, <laughs> we you should all raise them. our boys. Yeah, that's it. Like, well, I would uh-huh. add to that that women are a part of this, too. So I've recently been spending a lot of time on Reddit, <laughs> and I cannot tell you the amount of heartbreaking posts and comments that I've read about men whose girlfriends, when they have moments of vulnerability, and like even people I work with, who the women in their lives are the ones who are like, that's not attractive. Like when you, if like the moment that you cry in front of me, like I'm no longer attracted to you. And that's mm-hmm. heartbreaking that this uh, oppressive culture has seeped so far into that a lot of women cannot bear to see femininity reflected in the masculine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we're all brainwashed and, you know, from day one, right? From like the parents, the schools, the churches. So it just makes them feel unsafe. Like, why is this not the norm? Mm -hmm. But the norm is just statistics. Yeah. So I I do, I do agree in a sense, you know, that, that patriarchy has been presented as like a feminist project, you know, smashing it. and, you know, I'd like everyone to speak on it. I haven't even uh, introduced my other, our other two guests. But um, I think that it represses all genders equally. Exactly. And, you know, it, the man, for, for the price of, like, getting their name passed on and kind of, like, owning the wife and a few other, you know, legal perks like that... Um, give up so much, uh, you know, individuality and freedom. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just in, incalculable. It's, you know, crying or being emotional is like a very little example of it. But, you know, I, I can think of a million things. Like, they can't wear a skirt. They can't wear makeup. They can't, you know, whatever, uh, be by so simply as like a woman can, right? Because it's it's not so uh, acceptable. Um they are supposed to be the provider. They're supposed to know how to, like, please a woman just because they have, an, you know, a penis. I mean, like, crazy, crazy notions, right, out there um, that they're, they're stuck with. And a big part of it is transactional sex, you know. So in order to kind of, like, earn your masculinity, you got to, like, pay for everything, <laughs> which will never liberate any of us from the system. So, yeah, I think men, if they could understand how much better the alternative would be, would be, like, at the forefront of this, right? Like, imagine if you didn't have to ever pay alimony. <laughs> um, but it hasn't been made quite clear. Um, anyway, let me let me move on for a second so we can open the conversation to everyone. So our next guest is Lynn Everard. Um, he's a poet and author. His book, How Speaking Your Truth Could Save Your Life and How It Saved Mine, uh, it has come out. And he will also uh, perform at the show. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's important to me about speaking our truth, and, and Justin referred to it even in the work that he's doing, is that as men, uh, many of us grow up not knowing how to express ourselves and express our desires. Mm-hmm. And for many men, that turns us into the, quote, nice guy, mm. right? But the nice guy is not a nice guy at all. The nice guy is someone who has a, who has a sexual desire just like every other man. He just doesn't know how to express it, just doesn't feel free to express it. So he has to plan and manipulate and hope that he's going to get somewhere, all while making the woman he's with thinking that he just wants to be friends and he just wants to, to care about her. And it it's a, a challenge to go from being that nice guy to being the real guy, to owning your desire and not, you know, not shying away from it. And I think as we bring that into our discussion in our world, uh, things are going to start to open up there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And another thing that a lot of those nice men do is like they, you know, they kill themselves and work very hard and make money because then if they are like really wealthy, they feel that it'll be easier to get the girls that otherwise they're too nice to really, you know, be 
direct with. Right. One of the things that I've learned is that you really can't earn anything in life. Or the belief that you have to earn something comes from a belief in your own lack of self-worth. Mm. Uh, that if you think there's a way to earn something, then you're coming out of this old paradigm mm-hmm. uh, that that men have been, you know, boiling in that pot for for hundreds of years. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, and our fourth guest is um, Alan Epstein. Uh, he's Hello. a spoken word poet and DJ, uh, resident DJ, right? I do not sit at the furniture yes, here in Miami thank Beach. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. Yeah, my pleasure. The first mm-hmm. thing I want to say about masculinity is that an idea is all it is. Closer. Uh, it's just an idea. What masculinity is a word, right? And then we have a definition behind the word. And then the question is, what does it really mean? And it can mean something different to every person. And actually the poem, that, not the poem I'm going to read today, but the poem that I'm going to read at the event October 18th is going to be about how we should feel we have the freedom to create our own definitions for things. Because I think that over time we've developed a, you know, we, since we've developed language and culture, we get more, more and more of what we do is from condition responses and from definitions that we believe are hard definitions that aren't really hard de- definitions. Like, what is love? You know, we, there, there's a definition in the Merriam-Webster dictionary about what love is, but love can mean something different to every person. And I don't think anybody really knows what love is. I, love might be a, an infinite number of things. Yeah, well, everybody so, pretty much knows about themselves, but how do you translate that? <laughs> right, we can all have a, we ha- right? all have our own definition, but yeah. even I would say, in as I got older, I became less sure of my definitions, and I realized that my definitions are based on my being a human being, first of all, and a very, very small bandwidth width of. Um, ways to perceive things, right? I'm perceiving things through human eyes. I hear through human ears and I can only hear part of the spectrum of, of frequency that makes sound. I can only see part of what's in here. I can only see what my human eyes are tuned to see. So all of my definitions are going to be based on my human experience rather than, um, being to just, you know, have, have looser definitions. My, my definitions have become looser as I've gotten older because I realize that my definitions are very, based on a very limited perspective of being in my body and mm-hmm. seeing with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I at least, and I think Alessandro, who I know a little better, feel things more than, <laughs> you know, whatever you mentioned. So how do you translate the things that you pick up on, that you feel, that we don't really have the language for? Because the, the language is like created for the lowest common denominator, right? So we have a word love, which could mean a million things. But like we feel all kinds of nuances. We just can't quite pass it around yeah. easily. If if we talk, I think... Part of my philosophy and anything that's going to enter any conversation is the idea of self-realization. So in order to realize anything, right, first we have to realize what we are. And I think what we really are is actually much less physical and much more dynamic than we think it is. So everything that we're talking about right now is kind of like role-playing like even our language, our language just just tells stories. Mm-hmm. We make our life into a story. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, and we're always the hero of our own yeah, story. <laughs> we're, we're always the protagonist. <laughs> even, yeah. even if we're the murderer, right? right? Yeah. Um, but that, but I think that what we are at our core is way beyond anything that we could ever define with the human mind. So I relate to that a lot because I feel like a lot of the time when I feel something, I have to spend so much time translating it. Mm. Um, so, like, communicating during sex or, like, when you're having an emotional conversation with a partner, I feel like we have a lot of pressure to just say something when really it's like, okay, but what is this feeling actually? Right. Right. 
there's a lot of stuff that's ineffable. Like it's experiential only and right. there's no way you could right. ever um, translate it to somebody right. else. You can give them an idea, but right. never give them the whole experience. Mm-hmm. They have to experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can barely understand ourselves, and then we're supposed to try to understand the complexity of the other enough to put it in words that they would have any, you know, like shared understanding of. So, yeah, it gets wild. <laughs> uh, you mentioned something about we're all the hero in our own story. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I, for many years of my life as a product of incest, I actually believed that I'd ruin my mother's life. I was not the hero in my story, and it was when I started working with a life coach that I started realizing that it was a story, because mm-hmm. all of our stories are made up. We just mm-hmm. look at our experience. We don't know what. They're all neutral, mm-hmm. but we make up stories about them. So mm-hmm. I figured with the coaching I got that if I was going to make up a story, why not have a good one? Mm-hmm. So I changed my story. Instead of believing that I was had ruined my mother's life, I believe my new story was that by me growing inside of her, my father stopped abusing her and that eventually that all of that left and she was finally left to be alone and not be abused by him on who knows how often that took place. And the more people I talk to, some of the work I do is help people discover their stories. Most of us make up stories so quickly we're not aware of it. The average, the lowest functioning human being has 10,000 unique thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. And every one of those thoughts is the raw material for a story. Mm-hmm. Most of those stories are, are negative. I mean, how many people do you know who have said, you know, I just came back from my psychotherapist and the reason I went was because my life was so damn good I just couldn't stand it. I don't think they're negative. No, 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 no. I disagree there a lot. I think you're always the fucking hero and it's someone else's fault and yes, you may feel badly and you may feel negatively and you may think that, but it's always the world or whoever against you. Like for you, it was like, well, why me? Why am I the product of incest? Why is my father such an asshole pig? Whatever. You know, this stuff. So you're still the hero. Like you're still, by hero, I don't mean like, uh, the success story. I mean like the center, right? Because there is the I and the I tries to make things good for us and not hurt us. So that's how we come up with these stories. <laughs> yeah? I do a lot of Justin? the work that Lynn's talking about is helping people clear stories and clear indoctrination because so many of us are living our lives based on what our parents told us right. we should be doing mm-hmm. or our religion or our mm-hmm. culture. And that's all fine if that story serves you. But a lot of times people haven't even thought of that. Does this story serve me? Does it make sense that I wait to have sex until I'm married? For, for some people, it does, and I honor and respect that. For other people, it doesn't. But I like to bring consciousness to all of right. this. Right, that's beautiful, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they probably don't serve us. Well, I mean, I don't know, you're the professional. What are the odds? How often do they actually serve us, this, this stuff that we it were It depends. People that come to me are generally coming because there's something not working or right. they want to get to right. a new level of their life. Right. So we right. evaluate all the different situations, right. the stories, the events, right. and we talk about it. And then once we bring consciousness to it, they can make a new choice. Right. Once we clear off yeah. some of the trauma and the pain and the, right. the seeing red, we clear yeah. that off. And now there's this beautiful space right. for creation. Right. But I do feel, and again, you know, that's just, it's just a guess, but I feel that that's the majority of us, that, you know, the way that we are raised with the stories of whatever, our parents, our tribe, our nation, <laughs> our gods, you know, they are the, the, a, big, a great source of, like, pain and confusion, and there's nothing to do but kind of, like, re-edit, you know, rewrite that script if you're going to find yourself and your individual voice and for some freedom, some modicum, you know, of freedom. So interestingly enough, when I was in middle school, I went to Catholic school. <laughs> of course. Yes, I did. Uh, like everyone in our field has yeah. gone to Catholic school. Yeah. Uh, I have an ex go. who calls it a shared trauma. Um, but <laughs> That's right. When I, was in Catholic, when I was in middle school, I became very agnostic and was like very anti-religion hated it all was like very angry about it have like a really skeptical nihilistic phase and then eventually through my yoga practice and through working with the archetypes of tarot that really healed that relationship for me Mm -hmm. and so catholicism is no longer an enemy it's just a different way of telling the same story 
it's a different way of exploring the archetypes that rule all of our lives. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I think bringing it back to this idea of masculinity, we have these archetypes and ideas. And then when we have bad experiences with them, like I had a lot of really bad experiences with men in my teens and early twenties. I projected that onto this idea of masculinity and on men Mm -hmm. when really it's, it has nothing to do with the general. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the specific. Mm -hmm. And so when we're able to heal those relationships, we're able to self-actualize, self-realize and -hmm. understand our role in it as Mm -hmm. well. Not mm-hmm. in a way of like victim blaming or, but in a way of taking responsibility. There's a difference between blame and responsibility. Mm-hmm. But, you know, becoming a nihilist and kind of getting mad at your, you know, uh, inherited faith gave you that distance, right? Exactly. So if you weren't able, if you hadn't done that, you couldn't go back into it from a place of like comfort and ease. Cause then now having been able to like divorce first and then like, let's say remarry, you can pick and choose, right? You understand like how much of it uh, you, you know, you love and find comforting in and what you don't. It's not like, so it's no longer like that, that, you know, that, that uh, heaviness of this is the way, there is no other way. Yeah. The anger phase is essential. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. For men also. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to say something um, related to what Alessandra said about Catholicism or any particular religion just being another way to look at it. And I think that it, it that ties very well into our dis- discussion about masculinity because I think that's what's happening with religion now are that people are realizing not only are Catholicism and Judaism and, and Islam and all these are, are different ways of looking at the same thing, but there are infinite ways of looking at the same thing. And people are now starting, like, I, I started years ago creating my own defini- definitions. I was born, I was raised Jewish. I was bar mitzvah to all that. Um, but I don't really subscribe to the religious, you know, doctrine of Judaism anymore. And I, I I discovered all of these other things that started working for me, and I kind of made my own patchwork of everything and created my own, like, spirituality, my own religion for myself, if you want to call it religion. Right. I think more and more people are doing that. They're leaving religion and moving to spirituality because people are making their own choice now because they're realizing that the indoctrination Mm -hmm. wasn't supporting them. Mm -hmm. So now it's all about, well, what's my idea of God? Right. What is my idea of spirituality? What is conscious? What is enlightenment? And mm-hmm. kind of like we're talking about definitions, people are creating their own definitions and they're loving it because right. there's freedom in that. Yeah. Rather than you're yeah. in this box of being Jewish, you're in this right. box of whatever right. it is. And if you are, then you need to follow all these rules. Right. So yeah. people are just saying, screw that and let's yeah. create what's going to work for me in my life. And yeah. it's a beautiful thing. This is yeah. a revolution that we're having in today's yeah. world and it's, yeah. it's really beautiful. Agreed, agreed. And that is the beauty of America. You know, I mean, in this era of like, Trump presidency, we do have to remember <laughs> that's just like what's in the news, but actually, you know, around us, there are, there is a great, you know, churning toward the positive in this Aquarian age. Yeah. So I want to ask everyone, what do you, okay, it's a two part question. What do you think masculinity is nowadays in general? And what do you think, uh, and what is masculinity for you? You know, how does it differ for you if it does? Um, I think it's, it's a definition that's kind of been changing quite a bit. Mm. I used to think masculinity was being the man, you know, the machismo mm-hmm. idea of like being the provider and taking care of things and, um, getting to an end goal and an end result. And now with this patriarchal switch over to the matriarchy, I'm seeing that it's more about holding space. Mm. It's more, more about bearing witness to the feminine. And it's a really big change in a very short amount of time, which is why, like I said, a lot of men are coming to me and others for coaching to getting an understanding. Um, but I always see masculinity as more of the structure that holds the feminine energy. So whether you're a man or a woman or identifies either or neither, you have a masculine energy, you have a feminine energy. And in Tantra, one of the definitions of Tantra is weaving. 
And it's about weaving that energy, those polarities together. And they're not mm -hmm. polar opposites. They're actually complementary. So within you, what does that feminine flow and emotion look like when the masculine holds it safely? All right. If you think of it as um, the feminine energy is the river and the masculine energy is the banks of the river, it creates this form and it allows you to function because uh, you really couldn't function only in feminine energy. You really couldn't function only in masculine energy. We see that come out as disease in people. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, I'm going to take a moment and share with you my personal definition of Tantra, which I don't think it fits with any Tantric practitioners I've ever met. But still, that's what I think it really, I mean, that's what I got from it. I, when I, I, I used to live in India and I experienced it there. Um, and I felt that it meant that one is so in touch with one's environment when you're actually in tantric consciousness, um, that you desire what's about to happen. And in that way, you're always satisfied and in harmony with what's around you, right? So that's my feeling of it, is that you, 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 you achieve such a heightened state of awareness that like a split second before it starts to, you know, rain, you wish it was raining or, you know, you would, like you kind of want what's about to happen around you or to you, no matter how like dark or, or otherwise, you know, for us, like scary or whatever it might be. So all of that is gone and, you know, you, you remain blissful. So like at the opening, beginning steps of that, you're, you know, you have that harmony within yourself which I guess would be the first step before you harmonize with everything around you. Yeah, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing, but Osho defined it as uh, Tantra as an acceptance of all within mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. everything, including sexuality, which mm -hmm. so many other disciplines do not accept or put shame and guilt on. So once there's this acceptance of everything, all of that that you are, your masculine energy, your feminine energy, your sexuality, all of that then provides a, l a little bit of what you're talking about, which is you can really experience life with expansion. You can actually enjoy the sunset in such a way that it could be orgasmic, that you could cry, you could be listening to a song and just emote completely and have a release. There's so much possible when you are in full acceptance. Mm -hmm. But you miss that when you are rejecting parts of you or you have guilt and shame around that which you are. It isn't divine in that way. The divine right. is accepting all. Yeah. And what percentage would you say, like a complete guess, of men out there, um, are becoming more aware, would, would you know, would like ad your consultation. <laughs> um, the problem is, is there's, um, there's a good amount that, w that probably deep down want to, but there's still so many blockages that they're not going to get the help. I mean, don't forget, like being a man, there's so much on, a, uh, around it about, you know, knowing how to be good in bed, knowing how to please a woman. I'm the alpha male. I walk into the room. I could talk to any woman, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. To get past that is huge. I have a lot of uh, women that come to me for couple sessions and I mm -hmm. talk to them about it and, I, and before we have a pre-consultation and they're like telling me how they want their man to be better in bed. They want their man to understand them. They want their man to be present. And then I ask them, okay, so when are we going to, let's, let's schedule a session. Uh, well, I don't know if he wants to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like, the man doesn't want to admit that there's a problem. The man doesn't want to admit that he could learn a thing or two in the bedroom. Mm. So we're getting to a point where I think it's opening up a bit more, but um, every man could benefit from learning about healthy sexuality, sex positivity, their own sexual energy and how to use it and utilize it and manifest things in their life. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, unfortunately, the numbers are still very low of who's actually going to, mm -hmm. to get this support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like in general, this whole wave of self-awakening and self-healing has been very open to female-centered spaces, women, feminine-centered spaces, which has recently been a little more open to, you know, the queer community. Uh, but what I want to work on and what I think a lot of folks are trying to work on is making these spaces more accessible to men. You know, mm -hmm. like what are, what is the kind of language that makes this more accessible what is the kind of mm -hmm. atmosphere that we're creating like mm -hmm. my when i teach yoga i tend to 
more than most of other folks attract men because of the way that I teach, because it's a more balanced way of teaching and because there's still like a more proactive, like it's not that you need help. It's that we're going to the next level. We're getting better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of attitude um, is what folks really are trying to get out of this mm-hmm. kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about having the safety and the vulnerability, like Justin said, to be okay right. with. Right. Yeah. So in. before we even create space for like men and, you know, male identifying folks to kind of like present their, their sexual energy and their masculinity, we have to get access to them. Exactly. And, and open them up. And make them not feel like monsters because a right. lot of the overcultural dialogue yeah. mm-hmm. is that like anything male, anything masculine, like, Oh, like the men are trash mean. It's like, we don't, that's not, it's not useful to me anymore. Except there was one meme of that recently that was like a Ruby Carr poem, like type mm-hmm. of thing. And mm-hmm. it was like, men are trash, but I am a raccoon. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah. taking away that kind of harmful language is right. the next step for us. Yeah. And, and, and find some sort of like sex positive masculinity that, I mean, I, I think that the, what you said is right on, you know, that becomes accessible, like mainstream and easy, you know, like have somebody represented who everybody can identify with. That's that's what's needed, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like have the opposite of like Weinstein, but equally known. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think um, we really all have to get back to coming from love and all that we do, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, you're someone who wants to be called a different pronoun that come from love in that other people may not be at that place. You need right. to meet everyone where they're at to get what you want in the end. Mm-hmm. Right. And it also comes down to with women and, and bringing this new way of being a man into, into this space or the new masculine energy into this space, come from love with it. Don't trash men for everything they've done. Now you're holding them in that place. They can't move from that. They're being held in the place of like, you are bad, you are angry, you hurt us. Well, to heal, we need space to heal too. So if everybody can come from love in this new realm, we'll make progress for sure. Right. But I feel that, you know, like uh, before I became a mother, I was more naive. And uh, and I thought, okay, we had the first feminist wave, we have the second feminist wave. And then I was like, you know, all the chauvinist pigs, they're aging, they're going to die. There's going to be a day where all these assholes are dead and the younger guys are like more whatever, you know, sensitive, a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more woke. You know, like they want to make sure you get an orgasm. That's like... a nice first step and like everybody kind of got that message right in the younger generation like you know you know people will do cunnilingus and be proud of it that's like a huge achievement over the past like whatever 20 years so i and then you know i i have a, a daughter um she's <laughs> she's now a, a, in college and uh, i realized when she was an adolescent in a private high school here in miami that those young boys in, who were like 15 16 17 were the same pieces of shit as uh, you know their fathers or whoever i mean i don't know their fathers but it's like they wanted the blowjobs in the buses during the field trips. You know, they talked about the numbers of girls, you know, who got what. They were watching porn nonstop, like Pornhub life. Um, and they were not capable of, you know, they would try to get girlfriends, but zero sensitivity, like zero communication. You know, it, it was so rare to find a, a, a boy who was the way that, like, the, the feminist, you know, guys that I had been dating 15 or 10 or 8 or 5 years before, these young kids were not like that. They, we were back to, like, zero. It fell to me. I don't know. I feel like the message is not getting through, that, like, we're preaching to the choir and we're all agreeing. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you it's going to be natural selection. Like, the guys that come to me huh. have an advantage. I like that. <laughs> the guys that come to me and, and create a conscious sex life and they hold space for women. They get the girls. They're getting the girls now. It's not the old. I mean, other men are doing it a different route by, you know, working really hard to get money and do that and, and find that it's kind of more in a superficial realm. But they, you know. That's going to phase out. Because, yeah. And this is why I say to women. The, the, those men, they only get men. the desperate girls. Let's be honest. Yeah, maybe. The rich but, men get the desperate girls. But the 
the point is, is that women need to continue to hold space for men's transformation and reward the men who are being conscious. True you point. Know? The strong, not the, not the nice guys that aren't being authentic, but the authentic nice point. guys who are holding space, they get to get the girl. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I, takes us back to what Alessandro was saying about Reddit and, you know, those yeah. women who are like, you know, um, oh, no, my boyfriend cried. He's such a goose. I don't want to be with him. <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about is that a lot of what I've observed over my lifetime is going through the human mind is this idea of domination. And I think that gets worked very strongly into the definition of masculinity for most people. Um, but I don't think it's a purely masculine thing that we have this idea that we're part of some club. We define ourselves into a gender, a nationality, an ethnic group. And the, the less evolved way, in my belief, of thinking about it is that my group's got to win. Mm-hmm. And everybody's looking for a win. We call it the battle of the sexes mm-hmm. and there's wars between religions. Everybody's looking for a win. Mm-hmm. And, and people now, I think, and you'll, you'll get this, you got this from gratitude training, I'm sure. I think the, the consciousness is now starting to evolve to a, a win-win consciousness because the world, the human world is going to perish, I believe, if we continue always with this, I've got to win too. Because right. our thoughts are our currency. Our thoughts are everything and when we think hateful things or angry things or any of that that's what we're going to start to see show up in our space Mm -hmm. i think when we can look at other people and see the possibility of ourselves and them and i'll give you an example uh i spent much of my life uh really resenting my father for Mm -hmm. what he had done Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i started doing shadow work until I started realizing that as a member of the human race, I have all the possibilities, all the capability to do the worst possible things, as well as to do the best possible things. And when I started to understand that, that somewhere within me as a human being, I had the, the capability to do what he did, that was when I was actually able to forgive him. Mm-hmm. I forgave him this past February, 50 years after he died. Wow. I carried it that long in my life. Wow. And I, I, I believe that I was better than he was because I didn't do what he did. But I also compromised a lot of my own masculinity along the way because I wanted to protect women, mm-hmm. right? But I wasn't protecting anybody. I was just living with a mask. I was, I was, it was just a charade. It was a game. It was me believing that I was better. And it wasn't until I realized that I could do the same thing that he did that I was able to actually find some compassion within myself for him. And then I was able to forgive him. And that opened up a whole new possible, all new possibilities in my life because I realized that the shadow side it's yes, it's a little dark at times, but it's not bad. It's a part of who we are. And mm-hmm. a lot of our power comes from that shadow side. And if we block that off and pretend not to see it or or think that we're better than that because we just want to stay in the light, we're really taking away a lot of our power to do good in the world. And and so I just wanted to, to comment on that because I think it's really important that we embrace all of who we are, not just the part that we think other people like to see, because our truth is not a weapon. Our truth is not something that we use to get revenge on someone else. Our truth is simply us speaking our truth and doing it in a loving way to another person. This is, and there's people that have held their truth in for a very long time. They've spent a lifetime mm-hmm. holding in their truth, and mm-hmm. they would be fully justified just taking it out on whoever they need to take it out on. But what will that really accomplish it for themselves and for the planet? So it's really about, there's a way to go about speaking your truth so that you're not actually harming someone else in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that speaks to the masculine uh, tendencies, I think, because, you know, the male of the species does have slightly more... Um, Conquering or territorial or aggressive edge, right? Well, the, it really, yes, I, I, I would agree with that. But I think for as men, once we understand that the only thing we have to conquer is ourselves, mm-hmm. that there's nothing out there to conquer, mm-hmm. and that uh, we are then in a much better position to become a partner right. in a relationship yeah. as That's opposed it. to yeah. you know trying to get something. Because the minute mm-hmm. you're trying to get something, 
you're you've already lost the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's our journey is really in life is all about mastering ourselves and and mastering our thoughts, mastering our our words, our language, how we speak with people, how we treat people. And it all starts within us and how we treat ourselves. And if you see someone treating someone else poorly, if you see someone who's judging other people, you can almost be certain that that person is is much more deeply in judgment of themselves than they could ever be of somebody else. Because it all starts within us. Everything well, that yeah, shows up outside Speaking is all of within our president, us. Yeah. Yes. It's like, you know, being a five-year-old. You can boil down most of our problems to either not being able to distill and understand what is happening internally and being able to express that well, or by conflating our internal world with what is happening outside. Yeah, that's the narcissism. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, new question. How can women and femme-identifying folk... Um, kind of like an acknowledge and develop their own masculine nature, their own masculinity, and by doing that, like, create space for masculinity in their partners, you know, in the men and masculine identifying folk around them. So that's been the bulk of my healing journey. Mm. I feel like uh, in college... I got the message that femininity was bad and that I had to become hyper-masculine. And so I took on all like the, the more toxic traits, uh, because that's what I had examples of and decided to be very driven and didn't want it to be, didn't want to be like super emotionally connected during sex and wanted to, you know, be this cool girl who was like one of the guys and blah, 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 blah. And when I was able to... Well, you you were trying to, like, get more power within the yeah. existing power structure that, you know, you were perceiving out there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, once I was able to recognize that for the energy and life force sucking thing that it was, I was able to come to terms with my own femininity and then start to develop, to develop a, a healthier relationship with my own masculinity. And that... I think, in my experience, healing my relationship to my feminine and not seeing it as a defect has been crucial in allowing me to see that in my partner, in my male partners or Mm -hmm. my more masculine partners Mm -hmm. and give them that space. Like, because I Mm -hmm. do not hate it in myself, I do not hate it in them. Mm -hmm. How do you do that sexually? I spent like my early 20s kind of being into BDSM and playing on the more submissive side. And once I was able to see that as not weakness, then now I feel more comfortable playing both roles. Does that make sense? No. No. I would expect the opposite. <laughs> I, I would expect that when you were in college and you were trying to like be, you know, more butch and in charge, mm-hmm. that that's when you would be identifying more with like a dominant no, no, exactly. and then as you discover oh that's what you're saying yeah, yeah. oh I misunderstood so then, okay but then at, well so I didn't really play so with after, BDSM then it was mm, after that mm-hmm. that I started playing with submission I, and finding the it. power in that yeah and now I feel so more that allowed integrated. you to kind of revisit your femininity right mm-hmm. interesting yeah that makes sense to me that makes sense because it's like so clearly delineated and defined and because it's like safe space and both have power so then you can go into the submission so to speak um you know without feeling all the extra stuff that we like pick up in you know culture in general yeah it's a ritual way i mean it's a sexually ritual way to reclaim you know these social roles that were so confused and screwed up for us, you know, um, when, when we were raised in the, within the system. Yeah, when, I work, when I work with um, women who are, or even men who are very much in their feminine, they're, they're really desiring something more from their sexuality, their sexual energy. I work with them on talking about boundaries and desires mm-hmm. because it usually means there needs to be a little more structure, a little more form to what they have going on in their life. And the whole feminine femininity in, in, in sexuality is this beautiful flow, and it could just be bursting out everywhere and without some sort of structure, which very much can come in boundaries and also voicing your desires, um, it can get really messy and it could be out of control. 
So I don't know what you're talking about. We need an example. So, for example, uh, mm-hmm. a woman, uh, uh, let's just say a woman or a very fem- feminine um, um, identifying person, um, they typically may be in this flow of sexuality. They're the ones that I would imagine just like bursting out in All right, so let's desire. say she's like squirting or <laughs> she's coming for the 10th time and you're saying the guy has to say like enough is enough? No, no, the guy doesn't have to do anything. Okay. I'm talking about her coming in to create because it, it doesn't okay. help a lot when someone from the outside is telling you how to run your own so energy. So that's her masculine energy? It's her coming into her own masculine and creating boundaries and creating and, and voicing desires so that... There's a structure around this sexual realm. This is the play that can happen uh, with the masculine and the feminine within one person. Oh, within so, one person. Within one person. So if uh, you create safe and healthy boundaries for yourself and you voice them, and if you have desires and you voice them to partners, to yeah, whoever, yeah, yeah. Um, you create freedom. Yeah, you true. now feel safe to explore that full feminine energy right. in all its glory. Right. right, you know, yeah. if, unless you've picked the psycho, but you but know, those are the odds <laughs> we live with. <laughs> That's a whole other coaching session. Yeah. On that. But yeah, but yeah. In, but in in the end, it's a little bit more about adding structure, adding mm-hmm. structure to this divine feminine flow. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it as two different partners, it's the same thing. I mean, a lot of men tend to be so much in their masculine, they're in their head, they're trying to reach some sort of goal. Well, what I'm coaching them to bring some feminine energy in is to be present. Just be present to your partner. Be present to your own sexual energy and let that flow. Mm-hmm. Experience whatever you're experiencing. Let it come up. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much in the structure. There's so much in this masculine, I must do this. I need to get there. I need to check the boxes. What and are the boxes that they need to check? Men are usually checking boxes of how do I please her? Mm. You know, how, how do I last longer? How do I be harder? How do I create a better sexual experience for her? Or other times, it's how do I, how do I get mine? Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. it's, it's this goal-oriented, mm-hmm. very much step-by-step situation where a lot of women are feeling like their 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 partner's not even there. Right, mm-hmm. this partner's not even there for me. They're just creating this whole structure, like because like uh, he has a goal and he's kind of like so devoted to like what he thinks he should be doing. Exactly. He's not and he's usually paying attention the to the details. All she right. wants is him to be present, right? To be there, to look into her eyes, to slowly move through this dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slowing down is a good is a good advice there. Um, so, would you say that the men uh, find it helpful to flow more? To because you use the words flow for the woman and and messy, interestingly. Um, that's when to it gets, be more when it's out of control, right, out of control. the masculine energy to keep it in check. To way. keep it in check. Interesting. So we don't like out of control. It's not that we don't like it, but if you are just fully in, in feminine energy and you have zero masculine energy, right. that's the emotional outburst that you see. That's the people that are just constantly crying and they can't mm. put it, keep it together in certain you, okay. containers. So, I understand. Yeah, so we're it, not just talking about sex. We're talking about oh, yeah, the whole... About everything. Yeah, everything. But in, in the sexual realm... It could also get out of control, right? Uh, uh, someone in their masculine is with someone just fully in their feminine. It's like, whoa, like, I don't know what to do with this. So sometimes they just step back and they just witness. And that's part of what masculine energy is. It's a witness to the, the consciousness and to the flow of feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Would you say it's safe to say that someone who is fully, like, is fully absorbed by feminine energy is just fully lost in the sauce? <laughs> I think that's definitely a way to put it. It's like when in any moment you could ask them how they're feeling and it, they're just completely different. One moment they're sad, one moment they're happy, one moment whatever. And that's okay to have that. And, and, a, and a, a partner who's in their masculine should identify that and just be there and be like, how can I support you? Or, or just be there to, to be like, I've got you. That's it. Not like, why do you feel this way? And what is this? Why are you acting like that? And whatever. That's what really pisses off that divine feminine energy. So to be there just to hold space is super important. But then again, you, you can't just always be in feminine flow. You cannot always just be in that feminine energy. You will not put your day together. You will not get from point A to point B. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the, you will the, not put your day together. Every yeah. emotion is valid. Every emotion is, is created to be experienced. But there's a difference between being in your emotion and then making decisions from that emotion. And I think that's one of the places the masculine comes in is that we, we can experience emotion as well, but typically we don't make important decisions from our emotions. 
we experience our emotions, but then we look at the logic of it, and then we may make decisions from that place. Whereas if you're making decisions, you can make a lot of bad decisions when you're deep, deep within your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, it's a mm-hmm. balancing out of, of yeah. the two. Yeah. Well, well as, as Alan was saying, I'm sorry, one second, you know, good, bad, emotions, logic, they're all extremely, you know, relevant and, yeah, I'm a little ambiguous, but go ahead. I was going to say that emotions can also get tangled, right? Like, I think something adjacent to what you just said is that feelings aren't facts. If you say something to me and it elicits a feeling in the present moment, that could be tied to what you just said, but it could be tied to something that happened to me 10 years ago. And Mm -hmm. like that phrasing brings it up for me. Mm -hmm. So I think a, a really important job of the feminine is to start untangling those knots and mm-hmm. not play and this when i say the feminine i don't mean women i just mean like that mm-hmm. that the space. energy that that space yeah um but that happens a lot in my experience when i'm in my feminine is when i'm feeling those emotions our journey is to like get liberated from the definitions of all these things yeah. like you did from the catholic church yeah. you know um, but I'm, I'm moving it a little bit into the sexual space because, you know, we're speaking sex. We haven't really spoken sex. So I feel like it'll be good to have practical, tangible, like examples of, you know, masculine or masculine and feminine, you know, in sexual space, like the masculine that's not toxic and the masculine that may be toxic. Um, do any of you have something to say? I mean, I, you know, well, so I think what Justin was saying about having that marriage of energy in each person is really important um, because I think we get really tied to gender when we talk about masculine and feminine energy and and it's everyone's responsibility to cultivate both. Like men also want to be the little spoon, you know? Men also want to have someone take the lead and feel really desired. Like, we think that it's a feminine thing to be, like, the object of desire and to, like, have all eyes on you. The masculine or men also like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 One of the things that has uh, evolved in our in our patriarchal society is that men have been taught to be aggressive. Men have been taught to be aggressive on the in the sports sports arena, uh, in life, in business, and and with women. And one of the things that happens is that uh, you know our our world is changing. But in the older world, uh, where you know a, a man can be sexually aggressive, and the woman may give in to him, mm-hmm. but 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 if he really thinks about it. He doesn't, he may not want the woman to give in to him because if she gives in to him, she isn't actually choosing him. And I think, I think as men, and I think you, you were touching on this, is that we want to get chosen too. Right. Right. Yeah. But if we go in all aggressive and, mm-hmm. and don't allow a woman to have a choice, mm-hmm. right? If we don't give her that choice to participate or not participate in that experience, mm-hmm. we will never know the joy of being chosen. Exactly. And, and so it's a, it's a, a whole revolutionary thing, I think, for men mm-hmm. to be able to understand that, yes, we can lead in that experience. We can co-create in the experience. But it's not about being aggressive. It's not about taking. It's not yeah. about getting. Yeah. It's not about accomplishing something. It's not about a checklist or, mm-hmm. or a goal or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's about connection. It's about deep, deep connection because we're human beings and what we want first and foremost is c- deep connection with another human being. Mm-hmm. Then we bring the sexuality into it because, hey, the parts fit, right? So we bring that in and all, and everything works. And, but, it, but if you just do it from the standpoint of getting something, you're missing out on a whole, well, different for, experience. you know, for many people, like, uh, take, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> um, you know, the high of the sex becomes the conquest, becomes the turning of you know, the, the, uh, the objects, you know, uh, intention. So, you know, that's, that's the received, that's, you know, the received setup where the guy goes out there and he conquers and the more he conquers Don Juan Casanova, right? Um, the, the bigger he is, the more powerful he is, you know, he's the envy of like the other guys in the whatever jungle. Um, so like finding the tools, 
and often those are linguistic tools, speaking of language, you know, to convince a woman who is not willing uh, to, like, change her mind and, you know, give her, herself to him, I'm using those, you know, cliche words, um, is more of a pleasure than actually the taking. Because, you know, a, a lot of this type of sexual exchanges are not focused on the sex itself, which happens to be, like, super quick. Like, you know, Epstein would just, like, get off by being, you know, whatever, masturbated or maybe blown at best, you know, on the massage table. Um, it was not that. It, it was just kind of, like, being able to break all the taboos. And I think, like, even with Weinstein, it was... Definitely that, you know, it's like, I am an unattractive man, but I get to, you know, to like somehow seduce the best looking women in America because of my something, whether it's like my words or my, you know, perceived power or my social prestige, right? That's the high. The high is not that he's like waking off in front of an actress, you know, in his robe. The high is that she stays and watches, that he got that. That's, you know, so it's like all like sapiosexual stuff and it's about, you know, control and domination much more than like, you know, getting off, or, you know, r much more than like the goal of ejaculation. So a lot of that mental construct is there, you know, at all times, I feel, and it's part of like the male, um, you know, narrative, the masculine, not male, <laughs> wrong word, the masculine narrative that we have been, you know, taught and and also uh, and that masculine narrative meets the feminine narrative which is i'm innocent i have no agency right i can you know i'm never responsible so long as it's like as i'm not responsible i am not a whore <laughs> I, so yeah we have to kind of unlearn a lot of shit yeah and a lot of what you're speaking onto is toxic masculinity exactly right and yeah and toxic femininity. And toxic femininity. femininity, yeah. But when we're talking about masculinity, this toxic way is... So so masculine energy is a penetrative energy. Mm -hmm. But we've taken penetrative and made it into conquering, aggression, mm -hmm. taking, mm -hmm. raping. Mm -hmm. That raping. is not healthy masculinity. Healthy masculinity is a penetrative energy, and you don't have to have a penis to be penetrative in the bedroom. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways. I've been with women who... They took the lead. Their touch was firm. Their words were, were stern. And I knew the role had just shifted. I'm typically in my masculine. And wow, what a beautiful thing to be able to let go and surrender and have her take on this masculine energy. And it's erotic and it's exciting. And it is still a dance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes some getting used to if you're typically in your masculine energy in the bedroom um, or you're typically in your mm -hmm. feminine energy to switch roles. So I encourage my clients to to do that, completely mm -hmm. switch roles. And, mm -hmm. and one of you who's more in the masculine, take on the feminine energy completely in the bedroom. And it's beautiful to try it out. And then you start to see like, wow, I didn't realize my partner really enjoyed this aspect of feminine energy, for example. Mm -hmm. Do you find... Um, that it's not about performance, that it's not about getting to any goal. So it doesn't matter. Like, for example, good. if a man is soft... That's great. You know That's how many great. amazing things you can do with a soft penis? Right. You know, and I teach a lot of the women about this. Yeah. Um, you Good. can have a lot of joy and pleasure in it. And then once you also take off that pressure of like you need to perform and you need yeah. to be hard, Good. there's a beautiful play mm -hmm. that you can have in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's get back into the BDSM world just because it's mm -hmm. a really easy right. like, duali it is. like yeah. exaggeration of that duality. Mm -hmm. Um like talking about masculine energy as a penetrative energy that is not necessarily conquering. Like there is nothing, there are a lot of fake doms out there. Okay. Like these guys who are like, yeah, I want to be dominant, but they don't know the first thing of what it means to have that kind of penetrative energy. They just want to tell you what to do and think like that's enough. But what it truly means to be dominant, whether you're a woman or a man or, or non-binary it is to be able to look someone in the eye and have them will so willingly surrender to whatever your desire is and to know and to have that trust that your desire is in their best interest, right? That's like the true, that's that emperor energy. If we're talking in tarot terms, 
That's that yang. That's energy. what energy? The emperor. Mm. So in tarot, we have yes, the emperor yes. and the emperor. I thought you said ember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that I know that your desire is what I want. Mm-hmm. And I know that you are choosing this because it is what is best for me. It's like a, it's like dope dad energy, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why, that's why we use the term daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, well, of course, I mean, none, of, none of our daddies were like that, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. And also, you know, trusting that this person knows what they're doing, which is, you know. That's what I was just going right. to speak on to. If you're going to really go in the realm of, you know, domination, dominatrix, BDSM world, or you really are practicing your, your masculinity in the bedroom, it's your responsibility to create safety. Because mm-hmm. that feminine energy, no matter who you're with, is not going to um, work with this if you didn't create a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. They know that, well, yes, you're, you're in your masculine, you're doing this penetrative thing, and I feel safe, and I know that I will be, my boundaries will be respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like people should take classes and improve their skills like on their own time. Cause, right. Cause if you really want to affect someone profoundly, you have to, uh, be a master at, at what you're doing, no matter what it is, you know, that you like to do. Um, Alan, we haven't heard from you in a while. Plus you have a poem you want to tell, uh, share with us, right? We'll call it It Takes Two to Tango since I didn't name it yet. But that's how it starts. It takes two to tango and two to explore the many facets of each other. Two mirrors reflecting into one another. Two images constructed to deconstruct. To reverse engineer two characters unearth the soul at the formless core. Two forms in contact, two forms in context, two forms in rhythm in search of one shared beat and one common path to ecstasy. Inside of you I see, I find little bits of me, gather what is you from within me. Two forms in form to mutual discovery. Well, we can close here. Um, do you want to say, you have something to tell us, Justin? No, I just want to, I want to thank you and say how important it is because as we're talking about masculinity coming to its new form, um, and the feminine allowing and meeting it with love and compassion, the main way we do this is through this kind of communication to be talking about it so that people can learn and, uh, continue to grow with this new world that we are creating. So thank you for having this podcast. Oh, uh, thank Alessandra, you. Thank you for the events. And thank you, gentlemen, for like being conscious men and, and speaking your truths. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. And until next Friday, speak sex. Ciao. Make love incessantly, I would be God.